We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to our podcast on itunes google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig, as always. Andrew, it's Friday. It's good to be back. How you doing? I'm doing great. It is exciting to be back for another Friday, and this one is episode 1080. And if we're going to go with 80, everybody thinks I'm going to go Donald Driver here, Kyle. Everybody does. What are you going to do? The best 80 in Packers history is James Lofton. James Lofton. All right, all right. I really thought you were gonna go Jimmy Graham. Like I really thought that was maybe where where you're gonna land, you know? Or or even better, Martellus Bennett, right? Like oh I mean, yeah, just double up on the tight ends that have been Mart- so impactful in recent years. Martellus Bennett, great teammate, great yeah. patience, <laughs> all of those things that are really important in life. And as somebody who has interacted with Dr. Pat McKenzie before. I can tell you Martellus Bennett is full of you-know-what because he is maybe the most conservative surgeon in the world. So the idea that he would force a player to play before they're ready is laughable. And, of course, we've seen that in Packers history, sometimes in a very frustrating manner. (laughs) But we're not bitter. We're not here to live in the past and talk about players that we've all moved on from unless Andrew and I bring them up here on a Friday. So <laughs> if you've been listening to Andrew and myself on Fridays, you know that we have begun a series that we really enjoy every single summer where we preview the Packers upcoming opponents. And so we've been at this for three weeks now, and we've dedicated an entire show to each the Vikings, the Bears and the Lions. And so we've exhausted the NFC North for everyone and all of our listeners. And now we are ready to start moving our way through the rest of this Packers schedule. And so today we're taking a look at the Saints and the 49ers and the Steelers, all of whom the Packers play early on in their 2021 schedule. So I'm excited. We're going to talk about their free agent additions, subtractions, their draft picks, and try to gain a picture of what we as fans should expect when they cross paths with each of these teams this coming fall. 
Yeah, this is when the series starts to really hit hard for me, Kyle, because we're in the middle of July. We're we're staring training camp down. Uh, preseason is on the horizon, and football is about to be here. And so it makes all the sense in the world to be talking about the Packers' upcoming opponents. And I know sometimes, you know, with a 365-day-a-year podcast, it can get hard, right? If if you took a few weeks off of listening, if, if you maybe missed an episode here or there. But I would say, like, the reason why we do this series is because you can go back and kind of binge them. Like, you can mm-hmm. jump back to three Fridays ago and start going through the NFC North teams. And this is where this gets really exciting because usually you and I pay pretty close attention to what the Bears, Lions, and Vikings do during the offseason. But some of these teams, like the Steelers, for instance, I had very little idea of all the transactions they made. And it was especially good to get a refresher with the 49ers and then, of course, the Saints, which which we're going to start with because they are the opening week opponent for the Green Bay Packers. And boy, oh boy, did they have a lot of moves. I will not list them all for you because it would take most of the show. (laughs) Uh, So instead, I will just hit you with some highlights there were some re-signings so the saints did have to manage a pretty terrible cap situation but they were able to get safety marcus williams uh locked up they they got brought back quarterback james winston cornerback pj williams and then i threw in running back ty montgomery just because he's a familiar face they also did very recently uh re-sign tackle ryan ramchak although that was an extension not he certainly wasn't a free agent at the time. Uh, the only signing of note that they made was tight end Nick Vanette. And, and I think that will tell you a little bit about how much money the Saints had to play with this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had to take care of their own as much as possible. But the losses are just staggering. Of mm-hmm. course, quarterback Drew Brees retired. Uh, but they lost, you know, safety DJ Swearinger, linebacker Alex Anzalone, defensive lineman Sheldon Rankins, edge Trey Hendrickson. And then the list of cuts is pretty extensive, too. Cornerback Janoris Jenkins, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, linebacker Quan Alexander, tight end Jared Cook, uh, even somebody like guard Nick Easton, who played a lot for them. And, hey, they cut their punter, Thomas Morissette, who actually was one of the better punters in the game. So um, that is a lot. And there were some defensive Saints fans who went after me on Twitter earlier in the offseason because I was poking fun at them a little bit and how their team was about to get decimated despite them all saying, you know, the cap's not real. Well, first, they got bailed out by Drew Brees retiring and him retiring the way that he did. He kind of restructured his deal and then retired. And that opened up a ton of, of cap savings for the team, which helped them a ton. Uh, but they still lost a lot of talent. You, you lose somebody like Sheldon Rankins, and then Trey Hendrickson. Those were both crucial pieces of that defense last year. Anzalone and Swearinger were key contributors. Quan Alexander and Janoris Jenkins both were really bad, but but still, they were starters on this team, and mm-hmm. you have to be able to replace those guys. And then there's the offense. You have Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, and Nick Easton. Those aren't necessarily guys you can't live without, but Cook and Sanders thrived when the attention turned to Kamara and Michael Thomas. So who's going to take the pressure off of those two now? And oh, by the way, Kyle, the Saints lost a Hall of Fame quarterback, meaning, you know, either eating the W, drinking from a hose and throwing 30 plus interceptions will be competing for the starting job or the converted tight end to replace Captain Nyquil, uh, you know, at at the helm of this franchise. So we're going to get one of those two two dudes playing QB in week one. So you're confident in the transition is what you're saying. 
Yeah, I mean, they got a really well thought out plan. That anytime <laughs> you you can give uh, you know twenty million dollars a year to a guy who was cut uh, is is something that you really need to do as a franchise. This is certainly the perfect litmus test for if you have two quarterbacks. You have none. We will come to see whether or not that is true in New Orleans for sure this coming season. But let's turn our attention to their draft class a little bit. I typically usually like at least some of the moves that the Saints make in the draft. And so they started this year in round one at pick number 28 with Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston. Round two, pick 60, was Pete Werner, the linebacker from Ohio State. In the third round, they took Paulson Adebo, the corner from Stanford. Uh, Round four, Ian Book, the quarterback from Notre Dame, because you need three of those guys if you don't know what you got. Number six, round six, is uh, Landon Young, the offensive tackle from Kentucky. Round seven, Kawan Baker from wide uh, from wide receiver from South Alabama, the wide receiver. Haven't heard of the man in my life. No disrespect. I'm sure he'll light it up out there this year. But I love what the Saints were able to do in the core of this class. I think Pete Werner and Paul Sinadibo were absolutely home runs in that second and third round. Andrew, I'm pretty sure roughly 50% of our pre-draft coverage was dedicated to Paul Sinadibo. We that, firmly that checks out. Yeah, we firmly established that Adebo hive here on Fridays. But, Andrew, my goodness, what is with the New Orleans Saints and their compulsion to reach on developmental edge rushers in the first round? That's my takeaway from this class outside of that, I guess, um, good review I just gave. Obviously, we all remember the Marcus Davenport move all the way back in 2018 that ultimately netted the Packers' Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage. Anytime you can trade two first-round picks for a developmental pass rusher, you absolutely have to do it, right? Um, but then this year, they go back to the well, and they do it again, and they take Peyton Turner, who I loved. I thought, you know, this is a really fun player coming out of Houston, but he's changing positions. He was a defensive lineman, battled some injuries in his past. So I loved him in the third or the fourth round. I thought that that was kind of where he would go. And so the Saints took him here with upside, I guess, in the in the first round. So hard to think that there wasn't better value on the board when the Saints picked at 28. Um, but outside of that selection, I do like what they were able to do in this class. Yeah, the, for me though, the the draft was just so like, ugh. I I do love a Debo. We know that we've sure, established yeah. that. I probably love him more than any draft person I've seen, but. I don't think I like any of their other picks at all. I definitely don't like Pete Werner as much as you do. Oh, okay. I like um, and that's fine. Werner. I mean, we, yeah. we can we can disagree about that. It's the end of a second-round pick, so whatever. Um, but, you know, the Peyton Turner pick is so confusing to me. And honestly, like, those last three, like, I, I, I'm just coming yeah. away kind of <laughs> stunned. Because I, if you're taking a quarterback in the fourth round, the idea is that they're your backup. So, like, mm-hmm. why is a team with – two quarterbacks already drafting a backup. And then, you know, I mean, whatever, it's a sixth and seventh round pick, so you do what you you want to do. But for a team that is is known for being kind of, you know, the one of the top teams in the league in drafting, I didn't get this one. I didn't. Uh, but, of course, only time will tell. So uh, on to the 49ers. 
So the 49ers also kind of had an active free agency period, but I wanted to get started first with some coaching changes because, of course, Robert Sala, uh, their defensive coordinator, left to lead the New York Jets and uh, took Michael LaFleur with them. So that's a pretty sizable hole in their coaching staff. And, you know, you never want to undersell these kind of departures. We've seen really great units struggle after losing their defensive coordinator. So that is definitely something to watch. I'd probably lean towards the overwhelming amount of talent in San Francisco, just being able to overtake whatever adjustment they have in scheme. But you never know, right? And obviously, Sala is a guy that his players just absolutely loved playing for. So Mm -hmm. we will see how that adjustment goes. The 49ers um, did re-sign Edge D. Ford, uh, left tackle Trent Williams, which is, of course, the big blockbuster move for them in this offseason. Uh, but they got back safety Jaquiski Tart, fullback Kyle Juszczyk, uh, and a couple of corners, Kwan Williams and Jason Verrett, who is coming off of that outstanding season. And they also were a little bit active in free agency. They, they went out and got center Alex Mack, uh, tight end Michael Pruitt, safety Tavon Wilson, running back Wayne Gallman, and then defense lineman Maurice Hurst, uh, kind of late in the process. Of course, he was the one that was released by the Raiders and somebody that a lot of Packers fans were clamoring for. Um, but there are there are a bunch of losses to go with that as well. Of course, cornerback Richard Sherman still hanging out there unsigned. They lost defense lineman Solomon Thomas, running back Tevin Coleman, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, defense lineman Ronald Blair, edge Kerry Hyder, running back Jarek McKinnon, and cornerback Akella Witherspoon. So, you know, I thought there was just no way the 49ers were going to survive this offseason at the outset. They, they reached the point where, as a franchise, the performance of their mid-level players start to get them paid more than they should. See Kendrick Bourne for a great mm-hmm. example of that. Um, but they're also starting to have to pay their superstars. They're not quite there yet with everybody. Bosa will be the next uh, player in in that line. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to start doling out some pretty serious contracts to those, those uh, star players that they have. And they're going to soon see an exodus of talent. But they weathered the storm pretty well this year. Losing both Sherman and Witherspoon definitely hurts that secondary. Uh, Solomon Thomas never really lived up to his draft stock, but Ronald Blair was a really good rotational player. I think McKinnon and Coleman, both solid running backs, but San Francisco seems to just kind of churn out running backs like, <laughs> like nothing. They can find them anywhere. Uh, Alex Mack, while he is way past his prime, will help settle those um, in the middle of that offensive line. I think Michael Pruitt is a sneaky good add as a depth tight end. Of course, he's not going to start with Kittle there, but you know, as a second or third tight end, he's got that athleticism to give you problems. And I said earlier in the offseason, I thought Wayne Gallman could be a really good running back if given a little bit more run. And he's not going to get the full-time gig with the 49ers, but could be a pain for a lot of teams in the West as one of those rotational backs. And I think in that scheme, he's going to end up being pretty productive in the games that they decide to use him. Yeah, Gallman, someone I just feel like it was really exciting coming out as you kind of knew what he was, but it's been buried behind some really talented backs with, you know, Barkley and some other situations. He's been, he's been sneaky productive in, yeah. in the limited opportunities that he's gotten. But then, of course, yeah, like you said, he gets buried behind Saquon Barkley. And then, of course, he's not going to get the kind of touches that, that you want. So um, that one will be really interesting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking when you were talking, you pointed out the departures in the secondary, and I'm about to get into their draft class here and just scanning quickly like, they didn't do a lot to add a lot there. So that's going to be a place, you know, that, that's aging and aged out and left. So that's going to be an interesting thing to keep tabs on, especially in that division with a lot of offensive firepower around them there. Um, this draft class, interesting. I mean, you talk about the financial implications. One thing that they can do to ease some of those tensions is to get younger at quarterback. And they did that in this draft. So at number three overall, we know that they moved up to get there. But Trey Lance was their selection um, from North Dakota State. In the second round, they took Aaron Banks, the guard from Notre Dame. The third round, they took Trey Sermon, another running back, to add to that run-heavy offense, of course, from Ohio State. Ambry Thomas, the corner from Michigan. There is your addition in the secondary. Uh, Jalen Moore, the guard from Western Michigan. Talana Hufunga. Wow, it's been a while. We loved him, and I already forgot how to say his name. <laughs> but Hufunga was added in the fifth round out of USC. Elijah Mitchell, the running back from Louisiana. So this, this class is going to be judged on that third overall selection of Trey Lance. That's just the way it is because they did trade up to get there. And allegedly, they did that before knowing who it was going to be that they were going to select. So early reviews think that they got this right in picking Lance over Mac Jones, which I think Andrew and I would both agree with that that was the best decision. But passing over Justin Fields is still a move that many are curious to watch to see how that looks in a few years. Of course, we know that the Fields is with the Bears. But Trey Sermon has a chance to be a solid back considering especially the offense that the Niners run here. I think Andrew and I like Ambry Thomas a good bit um, as a developmental corner. Um, and I know we both like Tufunga a lot at that safety spot. So this class has a chance uh, to be special for San Francisco. And I think it's more probably than just this quarterback pick, even though that's how this class is going to be judged as a whole. Yeah, and you you covered everything when it comes to Trey Lance that, that I was going to say. So, um, you know, they gave up so much for him. It, that's going to end up being a franchise-altering pick, no matter how you go. Uh, I thought that Aaron Banks in the second round was a nice pick. As you mentioned, Ambry Thomas, Trey Sermon, Hufunga, they're all really fun. So 
overall, I would say I like their class. Just to follow up on what I was saying about the corners, so there it looks like their starting corners are going to be Jason Ferret and Dante Johnson, mm-hmm. with Kwan Williams in the slot. Emmanuel Mosley is depth. Uh, Ambry Thomas, as we just mentioned, um, they did pick up Demandre Lenore, the um, rookie free agent from Oregon, who I know I liked a little bit in the draft. So they do have some depth there, but um, certainly a lot of turnover. And you're you're making the assumption that Jason Verrett is <laughs> going to play like he did last year, and not how yeah. it was, uh, which was basically constantly injured previous yeah. to that. So. Um, that that's definitely going to be probably the position I would be watching most if I was San Francisco. Yeah, I feel like this team is, that's exactly what I was going to say with Verrett, is you're banking on um, healthy Verrett, which is great, but you just don't never, you never know what you're going to get. And I think that this team is going to be one that could be really good or could be in another place where um, maybe, maybe they're picking a little bit high. We'll just kind of see. I feel like there's a really wide range of outcomes for the 49ers here in 2021. But uh, we're going to move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and talk a little bit about their free agency moves, what they did this offseason. Uh, they did re-sign Big Ben, the quarterback, which was kind of a big question. And it kind of seems like Ben is approaching the end of his career. The Steelers are the anti-backers here. They have made no serious plans for post-Ben, and they seem tied to the quarterback there as long as he does want to play. Hold up. Okay. Didn't they draft Mason Rudolph in the second round a few years ago? That does not count. Okay, I guess the plan was... Maybe the plan was there, but we've seen the plan, You're giving me the Jimmy G excuse right now. Yeah. And I am going to have it out with you after the show is done. Because you... Because it didn't work. This is what we're talking about. Right. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. We'll talk about it after the show. Apparently, (laughs) Andrew is very, very animated and upset about this, but I do not consider Mason Rudolph a violent... I literally threw my arms in the air. (laughs) They've attempted a plan, and it is not a good one. Um, linebacker Vince Williams was also re-signed. Defensive lineman Tyson Alualu uh, is also back. T- tackle Zach Banner. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster is back in Pittsburgh. And I was reading an old article that was very clear that there was almost no chance that Juju would be back in Pittsburgh this year. Obviously, the money dried up in free agency and he decided to sign a prove-it deal with the Steelers for just this year. So a really big surprise even in the, I guess, Steelers fandom there that he is back with this team. Yeah. You look like you want to – No, like you no I'm waiting for you to again. say the next player before I <laughs> chime in. I don't want to. Mason Rudolph has re-signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as a quarterback controversy still in the mix as a future plan. I don't know. Uh, quarterback Cameron Sutton is also still uh, in the building there on a re-signed deal. Uh, they signed Trey Turner, the guard, uh, center BJ Finley, Joe Haig, linebacker Miles Killebrew, running back Kalen Balage. Uh, the losses here stack up as well, though. They lost Edge Bud Dupree. Uh, Marquise Pouncey is unsigned still, guard. David DeCastro was cut in kind of a controversial move we've mentioned before. Cornerback Steven Nelson is still unsigned, which kind of seems crazy. Nelson's a good player and another example of the money that's just not there this offseason. There's a real chance he comes back to Pittsburgh, I think, or maybe he just waits for an injury in camp and another team needs to make a move to fill a spot. But an interesting name that's still out there, maybe he ends up in San Francisco when Jason Verrett 
gets hurt. Uh, tackle Alejandro Villanueva moves to Baltimore to play tackle for the Ravens. Linebacker Avery Williamson is still unsigned. Mike Hilton left town for Cincinnati. Uh, J. Ron Elliott, former Packers edge, uh, was with Pittsburgh last year but remains unsigned. James Conner, uh, the, the running back, is out in Pittsburgh and is now an Arizona Cardinal. Um, but I bet they made some moves in the draft to make up for Connor's absence. What about that, Andrew? Tell us a little bit about that draft. Yeah, absolutely. But before I get to that, just two really quick points. Number one, you mentioned they lost Alejandro Villanueva at tackle, DeCastro at guard, Pouncey at center, and they replaced them with three free agents, Joe Haig at tackle, yeah. B.J. Finney at center, Trey Turner at guard. So you would think like, okay, well, those are three pretty solid free agency additions, but they're replacing a large chunk of their line. Granted, they were pretty ineffective at times last yeah. year. I, it's it's just so hard to fathom how good this team was in the first half of the season. Yes. And how truly atrocious they were down the stretch. Yes. And their offensive line had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. And the running game, as you mentioned, and I'll, I'll talk about a, a way that they're going to try to replace James Conner in a moment. But I did want to jump back. You know, obviously, I'm just giving you crap about Mason Rudolph, but <laughs> it just brings me to a perception thing. And this, this is what drives me nuts, because Jimmy Garoppolo, Mason Rudolph, both drafted in the second round. But because the Packers took a quarterback in the first round, it's a quarterback controversy. And I just truly don't understand that. Um, Garoppolo obviously was taken a little bit earlier in, in Brady's career than where we are with Rodgers, but Rudolph was yeah. basically, they right. said he is the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger and it hasn't worked out. So who cares? But I mean, it, it, it just, again, it goes back to a perception thing. I, I just don't understand why number one for the media and for the fans, drafting Jordan Love was such a colossal deal. And I especially can't understand why it impacts Aaron Rodgers' thinking at all. But, you know, let the man golf and make passive-aggressive comments all he wants, and I guess we'll we'll just deal with that at a later date. Mason Rudolph, just to be clear on the longevity of this situation, signed a new one-year $5 million <laughs> contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers just as a maybe he figures it out this year and we still have our long-term plan, but uh, that is a temporary patch, it seems. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know uh, what the Steelers are going to do after that. And I didn't include on the list of re-signings quarterback Joshua Dobbs either, who they also brought back. Who is a, uh, is he a rocket scientist? I'm pretty sure he's a smart dude. So... Is I don't that know that, legit? I don't know if, that, I don't, I don't know if that's I, I don't, like relevant, but I think he's like legit rocket scientist. I don't. I don't know what you're. I did not know that, but he's uh, a very smart, very very smart guy. I um, remember at Tennessee he had a rocket of an arm. Maybe that's true, or it's possible I'm thinking of someone else, and this is horrible podcasting. So yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you go ahead and Google that while I talk okay, about the, uh, the Steelers draft class? So. They, they took running back Najee Harris in the first round. That's what we were alluding to. Tight end Pat Fryer moves out of Penn State. Uh, in the second, they got uh, guard Kendrick Green, a tackle Dan Moore Jr., uh, and then a bunch of defensive players in a row with Buddy Johnson, the linebacker from Texas A&M, Isaiah Loudermilk, the defensive lineman from Wisconsin, linebacker Quincy Roche from Miami, corner Trey Norwood from Oklahoma, and then they drafted a punter 
at the end of the seventh round. Presley Harvin the third, which is the most punter sounding name I have ever heard in my life <laughs> from Georgia Tech. Presley Harvin the third. If he's awesome. not great in Pittsburgh, I want the Packers to pick him up based on his name alone. So the Steelers definitely didn't seem to care that everybody knew who they were going to pick like several weeks before the draft. And <laughs> Najee Harris is probably the perfect fit for that Pittsburgh offense. Uh, they just they had no chance to run the ball at all last year's. And and to me, you know, I go back in in at least my lifetime history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he looks to me like a modern version of Bam Morris or Jerome Bettis or Richard Mendenhall. Uh, like he is in that mold. And, and I think he's going to be darn good. In fact, I put some money in Vegas down on Najee Harris being the offensive rookie of the year. So uh, let's hope Trevor Lawrence isn't that good. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Fryer moves in the second round. He's going to be a pain. I, I think he could really be that Heath Miller, like just run a six yard curl, yeah. uh, dump off target. Like that's the perfect role for him. And the rest of their draft to me just wasn't that inspiring. Quincy Roche could be a value in the sixth. Uh, Harvin, the third, like I said, could be a good punter. Although I have zero idea if any kicker or punter are going to be good. The rest, not so much in my opinion. So did you have anything to add after you're 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 uh, seeking out the counsel of your producer? Yeah. So here we go. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Josh Dobbs graduated from Tennessee in 2017 with a degree in aerospace engineering with a perfect 4.0 GPA and was I don't know what the context of this, but shortly after graduation, spent time at Kennedy Space Center near Cape Canaveral, Florida, of course. So smart, smart dude. We haven't seen anything on the field, but, I mean, defenses don't stand a chance with that that mind. So rocket scientist, Josh Ops. That is an amazing pull by you, first no of problem. all. No <laughs> problem. But in, for somebody like me who loves fun facts, that's like the funnest of the facts. Yeah, yeah. That's See, great. people didn't know showing up today that we were going to talk about rocket science. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the Packers play these three teams this year. That's why we're talking about them. <laughs> and uh, they are the first three non-divisional matchups of the year. That's how we pick the order of who we're going to talk about. So week one on a Sunday afternoon, uh, it's the 325 game. If you're central time on September 12th is at New Orleans. On week three, Sunday night football, September 26th, the Packers play at San Francisco. And then week four, they bounce back with a Sunday afternoon game on October 3rd against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Lambeau Field. So um, that's going to be three fun matchups. And, you know, I think if you looked two years ago and said you have this gauntlet of New Orleans, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh, you'd be pretty darn scared. I think these are manageable games. And and they're going to be games the Packers are going to probably need to win two of three if they have any chance of making the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers. With Aaron Rodgers, of course, they'll be favored in all three. But, um, you know, those outcomes certainly never uh, certain. So uh, <laughs> certainly never certain. Certainly Great never end, seen. Andrew. Anyways, <laughs> that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Pack Day Podcast. Subscribe and, and consider giving us a five-star rating. Uh, you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back to continue our conversation on the next three Packers 2021 opponents. 
Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.